The tech world's often portrayed as workplaces brimming with ping-pong tables and overseas retreats to exotic locations and shoes-optional policies. Perhaps those were just the good times. Higher interest rates and the economic downturn have forced some Australian tech companies, including the so-called unicorns, Canva and Atlassian, to cut back on the fun stuff and to introduce tougher performance management metrics. Some media reports this week even say that some managers have been told to stop managing and get back to coding. Higher interest rates have also had a significant impact on startups looking for investment. Venture capitalists are showing more caution now than during the low interest rate periods. What's a passing phase? What's likely to last? I'm joined now by Dr Mike Seymour, who's a researcher and lecturer in digital innovations at the University of Sydney. He runs his own tech firm, Enigma2, which specialises in AI-driven virtual effects. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. What do you think are passing impacts? What are lasting? Um, Well, it's firstly a really big sector, so it's easier to sort of generalise and miss the nuances. But I guess generally speaking, there is a contraction, um, but by the same token, there are pockets, especially in AI, that uh, have a lot of demand. And also those AI innovations, especially in the area of like programming, uh, some of the reasons behind the uh, dislocation of the other areas. Right. I mean, is tech experiencing a typical maturing process that happens in lots of industries? Is that what we're actually witnessing? I would say yes, except for the fact that the tech industry is almost like no other in that it's so fast moving and uh, skills that workers have are often needing to be refreshed at a much faster rate. So what we talk about is the half-life of skills is a lot less. Um, so in a sense, yes, but unlike many other industries, like the the waves of new technology that comes through requires um, people in this industry to re-educate and bring themselves and reskill themselves. How often would you say? Um, I'd say I can't give you a number on that, but I would say it's like a lot dramatically a lot faster. And the the example of this I referred to a second ago was this area of machine learning and AI, which you know has been coming for a while, and certainly, um, but certainly the last like, twenty four months to eighteen months Two just has seen extraordinary right. change. <laughs> I mean, in in some ways it was disappointing reading this, even though in some ways I wasn't surprised. You know, given that we've interviewed Kate Pounder from the Tech Council over the last 18 months, two years, inviting people who don't think of themselves as nerds to jump ship and join this exciting industry, particularly issuing that invitation to women, you know, women who have learned to use their judgment and manage people. Does this sort of close the door to that sort of thing? Well, interestingly, what the tech sector really needs are people, in addition to the hardcore, what you're calling uh, geeks, in addition to those hardcore kind of mathematical type programmers, they actually need people with good understandings of human interaction, uh, you know, customer journeys and the sort of broader things that maybe come from a more liberal arts background than from a high tech background. So it's, it's an interesting mix, but it's not... Uh, a sort of a slam dunk that this is closing the door on uh, women, though there's a lot of work to be done there to even the playing field. Yes, well, I mean, the, the report in the Financial Review this week, uh, technology companies are increasingly insisting managers do engineering or design work rather than being generalists, reversing a trend that let people without a technical background flood into the industry. See, that was the first power, and I think a lot of us probably read it. Yeah, and I, I don't want to sort of hit on that particular, but I would argue that that's maybe not necessarily true across the board um, because 
the problem solving that's required and the sort of innovation that's required is augmented by these new technologies. And so it is a little uh, sort of, I don't know, it's possible to overemphasize how much it's just a tech game with numbers and, and, and programming. What's been your experience trying to hire tech workers with uh, uh, the a- especially AI, generative AI skills at your company, Enigma 2? Oh, it's been extremely difficult. Yeah, I know. Uh, because unemployment's at a really low rate, which of course we all applaud in one sense, but in another, um, there's been this structural shift. We want more people with these new skills and it's incredibly hard to get them. At the same time, like even in the uh, budget, the 23 budget, they identified this you know, overall growth in sort of non-routine uh, cognitive skills type jobs. And so this is at the sort of bleeding edge of that. So it's part of an overall trend to wanting people in this area. But as the tech is so new, um, we certainly look to hire people and train them rather than expect them to be fully trained when we hire them. And people, are you hiring people from um, other countries? I mean, I've got, you know, my son's friends sort of working in India, working in, he's living in India, working in Canada, he's from Sydney. We're not because uh, we are part of a sort of an international group that's doing this stuff. So we have a company in Sydney that works with a company in Los Angeles and another in Israel. So we don't pull in people from overseas. Um, We like to hire locally uh, and that's been working for us, as I say. But uh, certainly we've noticed that there are different trends in those three regions. Australia being kind of a little buffeted because we haven't had quite the tech layoffs and the, the restructuring that we've seen uh, in, say, the US. But by the same token, the number of uh, sort of jobs in Australia that require the skills that we're talking about are lower than the US dramatically. Like, there's a lot more demand um, at the moment in the US, so maybe that'll come to Australia in the in the next sort of uh, planning horizon. So just to clarify again, in this situation you've just described so well, would you say, oh, look, I'll go for that person, even if they're not... Uh, fully skilled. I- I'll do that on. I'll do that on the job. So you could take a generalist, for instance. Is that right? Am I hearing you correctly? Yeah, I guess the term generalist is an interesting one. It's less about being a generalist and more about having what you might think of as um, creative problem solving and the ability to to have the kind of cognitive uh, skills that will facilitate them when trained up handling this new tech. Because in a sense, but how do you test for we- that in advance? Oh, well, I I mean, I think we look to even the degrees, and obviously I'm a bit biased here because I'm at Sydney and and I love it, but there's a difference between training people in how to use a piece of software and how to to have a sort of an intellectual infrastructure, a sort of a a scaffolding around which to solve a problem, and then the specific tools they use are going to change on an almost constant basis. So we're looking for people that have those design thinking skills and those cognitive skills rather than knowing this bit of software or that because that's what's just basically not not lasting. It's just not a, a long-term uh, play to hire people with just very specific skills to specific programs. And you've found this, have you, by the sound of it? You've been through oh, absolutely, this. absolutely, yeah. Yeah, no, it's absolutely the case. Like you, you really in the interviewing process, you're looking for beyond – you know, on the CV, there's always that bit at the bottom of like software I use and it's the sort of the least relevant part of the CV these days. You want to understand that they can have insight into problems and also do this thing that's really common, which is being able to, oh, sorry, uncommon, which is being able to translate between what somebody might be describing as their business problem and the tech solution for it. And so that sort of almost translation job, that sort of being able to go between what one team is 
asking for and what another team needs to be able to build it, that's a really key skill that we need to develop. Gee, um, look, the, the people who are being laid off um, from Australia's big tech firms, the Canvas, the Atlassians, I mean, it could be a few hundred, if not a thousand staff members made redundant in the near future. Will they find it easy to get a new job in the tech sector in Australia? What's your judgment? Well, it's not going to necessarily find it really easy, but certainly it helps that there is uh, low unemployment at the moment because that's you know always a good thing. But I think anyone in this sector should be aware, um, you'd think, that their skills do need to be updated a lot. So as unfortunate and as sympathetic as I am to anyone that gets laid off, and <clears throat> Lord only knows it's horrendous if it ever happens, um, there is this real need for anyone, be them uh, laid off or not, to be constantly updating their skills. And no unions yet really in evidence? No, it's interesting, isn't it? The unions um, play a really interesting role, but they're very fragmented because it's not like there's sort of one tech union. There's FinTech has one area and retail has another and professional. There's like quite a number of different unions involved here and, and they generally don't have established roots in these newer companies. So um, I think that could change moving forward as people kind of reevaluate, especially younger people, reevaluate what union membership means to them. But at the moment, it's not a highly unionised sector. Very interesting. Thank you for your insights. Thank you. Dr. Mike Seymour, researcher and lecturer at the University of Sydney, co-founder of Enigma 2. Well, up next, the misuse of tech, I suppose you could say, and much more, the robo-debt scheme. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.